Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Al. Hey, y'all. All right, so what are we talking about on the podcast this week? Nothing fun. Nothing fun, oh, honestly. I feel like we've had some fun. We've had a couple of fun weeks in a row. Yeah, I feel like we haven't done anything super, super serious since not we since... came back from our break. Yeah, not since we came back. We've done a lot of... Uh, I mean, we did video games is kind of serious. Video games are a serious, are serious business. Not in the same way this is serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So what is it that we're talking about? Um, radicalization, I guess, into the far right. <laughs> Good. So, into hating people. Uh, specifically, this week we're talking about how anti-transness can and often does radicalize people into the far right, or at the very least put them in very close contact with the sort of content that um, would do that radicalization would do the radicalization draws you into the sort of neo-nazi style yeah. um, content so so we're gonna start off by describing a real research paper that I came by in the form of a TikTok that itself is about TikTok we will also link the TikTok below but if you go into the comments on the tiktok you can find the actual research article which is like published yeah and i'll I'll probably just directly link the research article too if you want to start there but i mean brilliant josie's gonna do the work for you you don't even have to use tiktok but i mean it is it is real work to read scientific articles so like the tiktok is also very helpful for contextualizing and understanding what happens in it right and we're also about to describe basically what the tiktok goes over yeah and i just want to do a disclaimer at this point like often this podcast is josie and i just like talking about Josie and I's opinions, and they're well-formed opinions, and they're well, mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of resources backing them up, but that's not what we're about to do for a moment. We're just going to convey to you this actual research that's not, like, opinion-based. Yeah. It's somebody did real research. Right. And the real research that somebody did is on TikTok, which I think is really cool. I think that people who are actually actively researching TikTok is lit, um, by yeah. and large. I mean, not to do a complete, like, are you aside. about to talk about your opinions while we're doing the scientific portion of our episode? I was just going to say, maybe we should have done that back when Facebook started off. We'd oh. be in a better place. <laughs> Same with Instagram. Good Lord. Anyway. Anyway, back to the thing. So somebody um, who's like an actual researcher. I just feel like I need to keep hammering that home because it's important. Yeah. <laughs> she made a new TikTok. Like a brand new, not having any interaction TikTok account. And she followed 14 uh, individuals who are known to post transphobic content. Mm-hmm. And then she exclusively interacted with transphobic content. Now, context for people who don't use TikTok. First off, impressive. Uh, <laughs> second off, get on it. It's the way of the future. 
all the good, all the bad. It's all here. Anyway, for those of you who don't use TikTok, though, you have like two main ways of interacting with TikTok. You have your following page where you can scroll through videos exclusively of the people who you are following. And I think the following page is organized chronologically. Notably, I spend a lot of time on TikTok and don't even know because I, like most TikTok users, don't use the following page. I exclusively use the For You page which is what makes TikTok TikTok. Yeah. So the For You page is curated. It is not chronological. In theory, if you follow somebody, all of their videos will come up on your For You page, but that doesn't mean their older content won't also show up. And if you are interacting with certain things, like down to a pretty small minutia, if you're interacting with certain things on your For You page, and interacting does mean if you watch the videos for longer, if you like them, if you uh, click the share button, if you favorite them, if you like... Comment them. If you comment on them, but also like if you just stay on them for a longer period of time, then it counts that as engagement and it'll show you more videos like that. Yeah. And to some extent, that's just like genres. If you watch like TikToks with dogs in them, you'll get more TikToks with dogs in them. Mm -hmm. But also like it does seem like if you watch like people of color, it will push you more people of color. If you watch people who are talking about certain things, it'll push you more content related to those things. And there are connections between those genres. So if Mm -hmm. you are constantly watching like parenting videos, it will push you like home cleaning videos like if it thinks that you are interested in like making a house it's gonna like push you more things it won't just show you the same content it'll like branch you out and see what you enjoy and this is what makes tiktok magical and also evil this is the tiktok algorithm right um we could do a whole different episode on filter bubbles but that's just like that's what the for you page is so back to my TikTok researcher. She followed 14 content creators that are known to post transphobic stuff and only interacted with transphobic stuff. So theoretically, the the algorithm should just send her more uh, transphobic stuff. The mm-hmm. algorithm could definitely do that. But what she found was that the algorithm also started pushing her more and more radicalized right-wing stuff right (laughs) um including racist videos including eventually calls to violence as well as nazi symbols and uh really heavy misogyny yes misogyny that was the other one and anti-semitism which i mean the nazi symbols kind of go hand in hand with anti-semitism but like and so like and it be and it she said it started with like uh, misogyny and then it moved into anti-semitism and moved into more racism and then moved into more overt versions of all those things and then also again calls for violence which is like another level of all of these things and the really scary thing that she talked about was that it only took her uh 400 videos to get this far into the right-wing ideology uh, only 360 of the videos were like actually analyzed for the purposes of the study because of like wacky TikTok nonsense. Mm-hmm. But it only took her 400 videos. And like for some of you, especially people who don't use TikTok, that might feel like weeks worth of content. Yeah, I mean, like if I watch five, 400 videos on YouTube, that's like... Literally months. Yeah. But by her math, that takes the average TikTok user about two hours because videos are very short on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, the longest they can be is three minutes. And most people don't interact with videos for three minutes yeah so that means if you were transphobic and you downloaded tiktok and you only were looking for transphobic stuff you could be having calls to violence for racist anti-semitic and transphobic also calls to violence for transphobic Mm -hmm. reasons are bad (laughs) right um but you could have all of these like really 
scary calls to violence and the hate that you could be being fed um, expands very, very, very quickly. Right. Within like a couple of hours. Yes. And that is very scary to editorialize a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So summary of the study done. Yeah. That was the TikTok that I saw. It actually was like a couple of months ago. We've had this on our like gender journeys doc of sub of topics for a while. Yeah. But it's pretty heavy and we just haven't done it yet. <laughs> so summary done. If you want to pause right now and go watch her video, she'll basically say what I just said, but maybe with, she has like a cool graph that you can see if you're interested in it. Mm-hmm. Or read the study. Or read I, the study if that is something that you. There are, there are nuances to the study that I'm sure, I'm sure. we're missing. I yeah. mean, like the TikTok algorithm is famously black box-esque. Yes. So like. And it also famously changes. Mm-hmm. It actually, there was just a really big change to it. And this is definitely pre that change. Right. So there's like, there's a lot of things and like definitely check out the actual content and like get a little bit better understanding this is where we're gonna stop actually talking about the science that happened though like the and talk about our opinions talk about our opinions our feelings yes just what you come here to gender journeys for our feelings (laughs) our snowflakey little feelings look bitch (laughs) so i think one thing that's really interesting on this video and on this um sort of research paper is it's really one of the ways that you kind of that you framed the like kind of wrap up on that and only like technical truth that you can maybe pull from this is if you go into TikTok being overtly transphobic, mm-hmm. then this is the sort of content you'll be fed. Because yes. like they say in the research paper, they first thing they did was follow 14 transphobic people, right? which kind of seeds the algorithm for right. you. The people that you follow, like when I downloaded TikTok, I followed a bunch of like gay and leftist shit. And like, yeah. you know, that made my TikTok experience a lot easier to get into. And if you don't follow anybody because you don't know any content creators, you just get fed like... Memes. Random shit. Memes. The actual TikTok dances that everybody thinks TikTok is about. But like, I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also it should be said that even deeply transphobic people also do other things so like most people aren't gonna mm-hmm. only interact with transphobic content right. they will also you know have a dog or like be interested right. in hunting or something mm-hmm. like they'll have other interests that right. will complicate this and so i think that what's interesting about that is like if you go into tiktok and you're like i want to see you know rad femme traditional feminism yes like or traditional femininity content, and you yeah. go in and you specifically follow a bunch of people who are very clearly transphobic on their face, yeah, you're going to get this. But I think the thing is kind of interesting about how TikTok works as an algorithm and as a platform is that the f- people who go into this situation don't have to be like, I hate trans people yeah. to fall into this sort of trap. And I think that's what's really insidious about transphobia as a concept, as kind of like, a gateway into these sorts of political circles. Uh, The TikTok creator that we're referencing called it a gateway prejudice. Yes. Yes. Because like you can really casually, especially if you're not very well informed on gender, really casually just kind of be like, yeah, men are gross and scary and men who dress like women are gross and scary. And then kind of just trip and stumble into seeing transphobic content. And then if you 
don't agree. have any yeah if you agree or if you have no like other intersecting or conflicting viewpoints and only interact with that then eventually you fall into this so it might not literally only take you two hours but like yeah because i think that often like i think that you saying radfem is like a good example because if you go on looking for radfem stuff i'm sure there's radfem stuff and i my bet would be that radfem is a similar pipeline as this person explored mm-hmm. however like you're also gonna get pushed like cottage core and like yeah. witchy and like aesthetic tiktoks yeah and you will probably interact with some of those too so your algorithm like i think that this was an example of a very like direct like a as the crow f- flies path directly to the jackpot yeah and i think most real humans because again even like the shittiest of like deeply transphobic deeply deeply right-wing wa- radicalized people have beliefs other than hating people right, right. like that's something that i think our media mm-hmm. and like our good guy bad guy dichotomy in this country right now uh tries to erase but they have other interests they have other things Mm -hmm. they do (laughs) and often the way that they frame their actual beliefs both internally and externally is not necessarily about hatred and more about some sort of like positive protective instincts which are like i mean sure nobody thinks of it but like but but they also have things that are just unrelated to identity they're gonna i mean i said hunting kind of sarcastically but like the hunting might be like they're gonna have hobbies (laughs) like they're gonna have things they're whole people (laughs) right so like it's gonna be a less direct path but i think it'll get there eventually because that's another thing the tiktok algorithm is like if you are like well the tiktok algorithm algorithm couldn't possibly do that bestie don't mm. underestimate the algorithm. It's scary how many things it can do concurrently. Like yeah. it can Again, it's scary. <laughs> it's one of, it is a very advanced algorithm and yeah. it and it is a it is the current ultimate iteration of the algorithms that have been running the internet for like yeah. a long time now. Like, I mean like to the point that this is something that I'm on book talk, which is like y'all y'all I make y'all listen to how much I read so this shouldn't <laughs> surprise anybody. And I don't know if this is necessarily true, but there is like a, a theory that seems to be well-founded on BookTok that TikTok's algorithm will recognize the books in the background of BookTok people that you interact with more and then push you other BookTok people who have similar books in their background. If you ever find yourself being like, well, it couldn't possibly do that. I would take it with a grain of salt. And my assumption is just that it can. Whatever you think it can't do, it probably can. <laughs> right. And then, and maybe it actually factually can't. Kind of like how the whole thing people are like, Google doesn't quote unquote actually listen to you. It's just really predictive. It's just really predictive. But also like, that's Anyway, fair. this is not about the TikTok algorithm, but well, it's a TLDR, little bit about... don't underestimate that shit. <laughs> it's a little bit about the TikTok algorithm. It's true, it is. It, it's the current pipeline towards radicalization that most people go down I'm not sure that's true, but go on. Oh, that's fair. It, it, it is one of the pipelines. It is a pipeline yeah. to radicalization that a lot of people go down. And it's down. a really interesting one. Yes, because it's so new and people are like actively studying it in real time as yeah. opposed to like trying to figure out after the fact, like, how the fuck could we get here? Just for context on what I just said when I stopped Josie on that, I read probably too much on this stuff, y'all. I did just read a book called Culture Warlords. If you're mm-hmm. interested in reading things like this, 10 out of 10 do recommend. But books like that tend to say it's usually YouTube. That's fair. Uh, longer form essays, I think, have more time and space to get these points across. But right. I think that that also could be because people who are writing those books, first off, Culture Warlords, I can't, I don't remember when it was published, but it, it couldn't have been written less than like two or three years ago. And TikTok is like very new, especially for books that went through the publishing industry. Like, yeah, it takes a long time to get a book actually published, yep. much longer than it takes to get paper published. 
like in a peer reviewed like a scientific paper. Yeah, which also can take a really long time. Which can also like... take a long time. <laughs> but so it could just be that it's people aren't studying it enough. But from what I know, it has a lot to do with YouTube right now. Right. But so even putting aside like which particular algorithmic paths are sorting us into these filter bubbles and radicalizing people. There is something very specific and very relevant to this podcast Yes, about the way that gender as a concept is used as like that first step down the rabbit hole. I think the pipeline is broadly applicable, regardless of if you're talking about TikTok, where it's run by an algorithm or just like people, because people who are trying to radicalize you, and that sounds so like aggressive and predatory, but like just... People who are trying to get you to believe the thing that they believe Mm -hmm. know not to be like, hey, I'm not going to say something right wing, but let's say left wise. Um, I think that leftists who know how to have a conversation with somebody who they know doesn't agree with them know not to start with like, hey, do you want to go like tear down prisons? Because they know that that's not a productive place to start. So they start with, hey, don't you think cops are too violent? And then we work up from the fact that the fact that cops are too violent is directly part of the fact that prisons are fucked up. Right. You know, like you, but you can't just like throw people into the deep end like that. And so I use that, I, th- I use a leftist example to just yeah. say like, that is just, that's part of convincing people. Yeah. Or regardless like, of what you're convincing them. Even if we're talking about a leftist example, like even go a little bit deeper and tie it a little more directly into this. If you, if somebody walks up to you and is like, hey, don't you think that like people should just be allowed to be whoever they want to be mm-hmm. to somebody? And they're like, yeah, I think so. It's like, yeah. So, you know, maybe gay people should just be allowed to love who they love. It's like, no, yeah, I, I can get behind that. Love is love. Love is love. And it's like, yeah. And then like, you know, kind of extrapolate beyond that. Like, what does it really matter how people dress or how they, how they choose to identify? And then, you know, like that's, yeah. that's another way you can kind of like get those stepping stones of like, do you agree with this basic concept? And so it's insidious about the anti-transness is, you know, the world is broadly a kind of shitty, dangerous place for mm-hmm. feminine presenting people, many of whom are AFAB. Yeah. And so if you go up to somebody and is like, don't you think we should protect our women? Mm-hmm. That's like not necessarily a hard place. People be like, yeah, I mean, like we should, we should, we should protect women. Like we need to make sure that everybody is safe in this world that we live in. Yeah. And like kind of pull further and further in that direction. See, I would also, I would argue though that the transphobia doesn't require any pulling because I I think the reason that this pipeline mm-hmm. starts with transphobia is because transphobia is still so acceptable in our society. That's a very good point. This is not saying that like, oh, we cured racism, please. I hope y'all, all of our listeners know us well enough to know that we do not hold that belief. However, I don't think that it is as acceptable to say like make a joke about black people that's a racist joke about them as Mm. it is to make transphobic jokes like you can Mm -hmm. still just do that in like in in mixed company in mixed company like yes because lots of people still make horribly racist jokes and say horribly racist things Mm -hmm. but they do it in specific spaces and in specific ways and in specific ways and most people and like this i acknowledge could be a little bit of like privilege and like we live in specific areas although we now live in oklahoma so we've moved out of our really blue areas um but mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> yeah. we still run in relatively blue circles even here in tulsa mm-hmm. we've found them as best we can tripped and stumbled into one like <laughs> frankly so i understand that like what i'm saying probably really doesn't match with everybody's lived experience right and I think overarchingly, transphobic jokes are still, like, very well accepted. 
to the point where they end up on like television yeah. in a way that and this is not to, i want to make mm. one more clarification sorry this is not to say that racism doesn't is not nearly is not still widely accepted unfortunately it is yeah but racist jokes are no longer accepted and i'm making a distinction there yeah i think and i think that that is something i mean we're both white we yes. we haven't said it yet this episode but we are both white and so this is a <laughs> tricky this is a right. tricky kind of a search for us to make especially as white queer people because white queer people tend to be very like the poor queers they're the most the poor queers. they're the most no because transphobia is never gonna it has never been as baked into our culture as racism and is. legal system and legal system yeah. so like this is not this is not that it it's not that this is the 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 oppressions show up in different ways well and so so as an example that i will throw out there one of the most prominent transphobic jokes that is still like relatively widespread is the man in a dress joke which is like you know somebody wearing a dress maybe has long hair maybe is like kind of femmed up and then turn around it's like surprise it's a man and like it happened in steven fucking universe you know like not very dramatically but it did happen in steven universe I don't remember that, but I, I trust you. Yeah, there's an episode where Pearl's having a bad dream and there's someone in a dress that looks like Rose and then Rose turns around and it's got and she's got Greg's face and it's like, Ugh. and like, it's it's not a very egregious example of it. Yeah. But like, you know. But it's still based in that trope. But it's still based in it. Bob's Burgers has done it. I mean, Friends did it a lot. Like, yeah, like, Friends was a pretty atrocious. Friends set the trope in stone. Right. And so like, I think that that is an example of something that it still happens often enough and in a varied enough amount of media that people don't don't like realize that it's a transphobic joke. Yeah. Like the joke is haha man in dress. Yeah. And they don't really fully comprehend like oh no that's that's weird that we think it's funny when somebody who has a beard wears a dress. Yeah. And it that's in a different way from like people now know that if you're talking about like really liking fried chicken like we know what that joke means. Like that yeah, dog whistle has it. been yeah. Revealed. And there are other dog whistles. I do want to be careful. I feel I feel yeah. like I felt us tripping into some like poor white queer people. Yeah, and that's not it. It's just that it shows up in a different way. It shows up in a different way. It's just that like it is. It's a really useful dog whistle, I think, for people who yeah. believe a lot of really bad things because they know they can say this among anybody. And then depending right. on how people react to your transphobic joke, you then can be like, ooh, okay, okay, I'm going to move into like a, a directly misogynistic joke. Oh, are we still on board? Great. I'm going to move into like an anti-Semitic or, an, or a racist joke. Like, like, you can kind of like progress. Right. And in a way where like, you know, if I think in a similar way, the the race, I mean, I think racist jokes also still operate the same yeah. way. Like, they absolutely do. People make racist jokes just, like, in broad, popular context all the time to see if they can get away with it. And then I think that it's just that the transphobic jokes you can get away with with a broader spectrum of people. Yeah. Which is kind of what this kind of, like, quote-unquote acceptance is. Like, right. Even if it makes people uncomfortable, they might be like, uh uh-huh, yeah, it's funny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, again, caveat that just because racist jokes are not happening doesn't mean racism isn't happening. Right. I mean, racism is baked into the system that we live under. Right. So it and, is And, like, thing. other references to, like, lots of just mm-hmm. mi- microaggressions can exist without being jokes. Right. <laughs> and I think that the interesting thing about that point, though, is also that the transphobic jokes being a really easy dog whistle to test the waters and start to slowly draw people in who might not otherwise be drawn in by racist or anti-semitic or violent mm-hmm. rhetoric it works to make more space for those racist and anti-semitic right. 
jokes and beliefs to flourish because if it's like well i mean we should let them talk about how they want to protect the children from trans radicalization right or whatever if that feels like a thing that it's like acceptable and normalized to just like have a rational conversation between two people about then it makes more space for the other beliefs that might be involved there which would be things that that are overtly anti-semitic racist and violent right yeah yeah and i think that it also like it means you can actually talk about things out loud. I think that even mm-hmm. a lot of racist rhetoric at this at this like moment in our history is that you shouldn't talk about race. That's the racist rhetoric, is that right. we should just not discuss race, and if you're discussing race, then you're the racist one. <laughs> that nonsense. Yeah. But that means they also aren't supposed to discuss race by their own rules. We don't see race, you know, the right. colorblind nonsense. Whereas mm-hmm. that that rhetoric is not true of trans. right true i also feel like we've gotten really far into a gender journeys episode and not talked about texas uh so i just want to mention that i'm aware of what's happening in texas but not ready to talk about it yet that's a very good point that just like dawned on me as i was saying something about transphobia because that is that and that is relevant to this discussion because that is absolutely like we won't delve into it because we're not ready to talk about it yet but that is and that is an example of how transphobic rhetoric is a foot in the door for just like being awful. Being awful. Yeah. Just general horribleness. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, be safe out there if you're in Texas, but But I do think that it's interesting. It, I think that the I think that the fact that these bills are being written that are like directly targeting like in their words mm-hmm. trans people is is a it's the next level off of this like joke versus not joke because there are point. laws that directly target black people do not get me do, i'm looking at you freaking georgia and your voting laws i'm looking mm-hmm. at you they directly target black people but they they know that they can't be like haha black people vote on sundays so we will not be having polling on sundays they can't put that in the law they're right. making up other things whereas i think the the difference and this does not make mm-hmm. it worse it just makes it different is that right now in our current cultural climate in this country you can literally make laws that say if you are raising your trans child, it's child abuse. If you let right. them be trans. Right. Like, they, it can say... And that also comes back to the fact that, like, queerness is, like, quote-unquote a choice, and it's not, like, genetic and, like, whatever. It comes back to some right. other stuff. But, like, I think that that is a difference that I want to be very, very, very clear. Right. It does not make it worse. It is just... It makes it different. But it's very <laughs> telling that, like... And, and I think, interestingly, speaking of queerness broadly, too, yeah. like, it's very difficult currently to make laws that explicitly say like it is illegal to be gay like you can't make sodomy laws anymore broadly speaking we've we've canceled sodomy laws as a culture right and so like you said you can't make laws that are like it's illegal to vote well black like you can't you can't say black people cannot vote or like you also for instance just because the way you said that made me think of this you can't literally be like it's illegal for black people to drive and yet talk to any black people it's a different experience right the police even though we know for a fact that they do, can't write into their rules that they should pull over black people. They just do it. <laughs> and like, it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a difference that is still interesting and important. Right. And I think that that's the, the way that anti-trans legislation can be explicit. Like yeah. bathroom bills are super explicit. are super explicit about like what they are targeting and the rhetoric around them are super explicit about and, what they are targeting and well bathroom bills aren't always because you true. have to go into the one that's assigned by your sex uh your birth certificate sex but um sports ones are sports and ones are ch- and ones that affect children often are right like the one in texas yes. for example and so the way that legally things can be explicit and the way that like 
the the punchline in a lot of jokes can, can be, be explicit. explicit like haha trans haha gender yeah that is part of what allows it to be a gateway mm-hmm. and also a very big reason as to why like we as leftists mm-hmm. need to be very like you know careful about not letting that <laughs> shit fly right because like it's not okay no. to just to be do transphobic. that <laughs> to be transphobic like that's that feels like a weird thing to say as a trans woman but like yeah but it's also like i think that sometimes especially like transphobic jokes mm-hmm. this is less true over the last like couple of years because of all the absolutely obscene uh bills and laws that have come and gone right regarding trans folk but i think that like before that <laughs> i think that it kind of like the jokes because it it's relatively true that like especially if you have some wealth privilege and uh racial privilege your transness is not really gonna legally harm you very yeah. much unless you're in specific like if you're an athlete that was trying to be in the olympics that's always gonna be an issue yeah uh, and you deserve support as well but like for your average privileged trans person which mm-hmm. are the stories that we heard it doesn't affect you as much. Yeah. <laughs> and so the trans jokes, people are like, well, like, be less sensitive. It doesn't matter. Like, they can laugh, but, like, they can't actually stop you from wearing a dress if right. you also have a penis. <laughs> like, they can't actually, like, you're not allowed to be fired for that. You haven't been allowed to be fired for that for, like, a little while. Yeah. It's a protected class. You know what I mean? Like, get over it. This is why that's not a valid argument. Yeah. <laughs> and to a tangential but very important point that I do believe we've talked about on this podcast before... A lot of the conceptions of what are generally socially accepted as the, like, quote-unquote gender roles and, like, gendered signaling yeah. comes from white Western ideas of masculinity uh, and femininity. You missed, the, you missed an adjective. Christian. Yes. White Christian American <laughs> yeah. ideas of masculinity and femininity. And so a lot of people, mm-hmm. non-white people, who are performing gender and who are trans are like extra super duper policed by these sorts of jokes. Like a lot of the, this thing that gets pointed out a lot on like my Tumblr, that like a lot of the kind of more like transphobic or trans exclusionary or like radical feminism sort of like jokes about trans people so often target women of color, yeah. usually black or Asian women who appear quote-unquote more mannish and like which we have we done that episode we've been meaning to do an episode on for a while about specifically that like yeah i don't know already, if we've done exa- that exact thing yet but it's tough for us as two white bitches to talk about and like similarly black trans women have a really hard time accessing you know looking feminine according to the people around them because people have a lot of opinions on black men and black women and what you know yes and so this is all just to say transphobia Mm -hmm. is bad bad (laughs) like you heard it here first y'all you heard it here first but it's bad not just because it's bad it's bad in an interesting way it's bad in an interesting way it's bad it's bad in that it is the like in some ways even though it is very loud because like people use literal transphobic language and are like kind of almost proud of their transphobia. And sometimes it is the quiet part of a lot of far right stuff. Like that is this, it's the stuff that you're still allowed to say explicitly. Which is also why things like the whole super straight 
remember that good times mm-hmm. i'm glad it died down but it was really it took over the internet because that was like a huge number of from my understanding at least just like pretty normal people who probably wouldn't generally describe themselves as transphobic but then somebody was like hey i have a label for you if you don't want to sleep with your not preferred set of genitalia and they were like well of course i don't want to sleep with my not preferred set of genitalia right and then they were like and then suddenly they were in this very transphobic uh rhetoric which like for some of them, if they, like, interacted, again, back to TikTok, back to the actual research, if they interacted with exclusively super straight uh, media on TikTok, they, like, could have wound up on these, like, very violent corners of the internet that they never intended to be on. And like I said, like, super straight just seemed like it was kind of a big movement amongst people who usually wouldn't give a fuck. Like, right. amongst people who probably have never met a trans person that they knew was trans, mm-hmm. like, are... Are, I saw a lot of people who were, like, in committed relationships, but then were like, oh, but I'm super straight. And it's like, you don't need to be, like, it doesn't, your sexual identity still matters when you're in a committed relationship. And, like, you don't need to jump on this, right. on this boat. Right. So, this has gotten, we, we've We've gotten, wandered. We've wandered a little bit. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to narrow it in? Do you want to say the kind of, like, last bits of this? Do you want me to try and do a quick summary? I'm not going to do a quick summary. I'm going to blame the guy who was... I'm going to blame the individual who tweeted at us that they liked long form uh, podcasts. And you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for telling us. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. We are going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and do longer podcasts sometimes, especially when our blood is really boiling. <laughs> um, yeah, this this topic, the main takeaway, if you take anything away from this, be very wary mm-hmm. of transphobic content, even transphobic content that maybe seems like kind of funny or kind of reasonable quote unquote or stupid or stupid be very wary of it and be vigilant for the fact that like these are things that people do in fact use as dog whistles and things to try and indoctrinate people and like it is a very easy way for a broad swath of the population to get involved in some like pretty scary and harmful conversations yeah yeah Yeah. so all right I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week on Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it.
Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon.